right, welcome. This is Beck Barnes and Jim Stebbin of Cotton Grower Magazine fame coming at you from the happening Cotton Grower Studios here in stormy Memphis. You guys may hear the raindrops hitting our windows uh, throughout this episode. It has been storming all day here. But uh, aside from that, uh, whether you are in Amarillo or Al Benny, we welcome you back to this the award-winning Cotton Companion podcast. Uh, I am joined today, as I always am, by my partner in crime, Cotton Growers Senior Editor, Mr. Jim Stebman. Howdy, Jim. Hello, Beck. And, and yes, it does sound like BB's hitting the, win- the windows, but we're just going to pretend it's uh, it's applause from our studio audience. Just rolling a pro- applause because we're just uh, such a sensational... We have so much to talk about today. We, we do. We really do. <laughs> Um, uh, despite the storm outside, it is Christmas season, and so we wish you all out there a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday season. Um, you know, you'd never guess it by the th- literal thunderstorms and lightning storms that we've had all day today. I've actually heard uh, there are tornadoes being spotted uh, south of us. Now, I got a lot of people in Oxford. That's where I went to school. It's about an hour south of here. Yeah, they got tornado sirens going off down there on this December 16. So, you know, just just your normal Mid-South Christmas season type weather. Uh, but we, we trust that y'all have the crop out of the fields and aren't uh, stressing too bad about this stuff. Uh, I actually drove the length of Mississippi um, on I-55 this past weekend. I went down to New Orleans, was down there with Bayer and uh, Delta Pine for a big grower event that they put on. I'll have more on that later, but um, uh, a side fringe benefit of that is I got to look at uh, the state and uh, saw one single solitary cotton picker out there on the length of the state, so I I assume that's a good sign that y'all are all but done with this 2019 crop, and I know y'all are relieved uh, for that to be the case. So uh, first thing today, we want to bring you a short message from our episode sponsor, the good folks at Phytogen. Phytogen is pleased to sponsor the Cotton Companion, bringing you the latest news to help you thrive all season long. All right, that is a timely Phytogen ad, as always, because at this moment, we're going to bring you a brief custom content segment. And as always, it features our very own Robin Sichtberg. She is a custom editor here. And she recently spoke with Dr. Russell Newdy. Um, he is the Phytogen Cotton Development Specialist for parts of Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. So we're going to bring you that custom interview segment right now. Hello, I'm Robin Sipper, custom content editor at Meister Media Worldwide, publisher of Cotton Grower Magazine. My guest today is Dr. Russell Newdy, Phytogen Cotton Development Specialist covering parts of Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. Welcome back to the program. Thank you, Robin. Good hearing from you again. In the last episode, we talked about the 2019 season and the, how the Phytogen W3FE varieties helped Southeast cotton growers overcome some of their key challenges. Uh, so today we are looking to hear about how the Phytogen W3FE varieties performed this year, uh, which ones did well, and what growers should be thinking about next season. Russell, which newer commercial vi- Phytogen W3FE varieties have performed well this year? Yes, Robin, we, we used three new Phytogen varieties in the Lower Southeast this year, Phytogen 350W3FE, Phytogen 480W3FE, and Phytogen 580W3FE. What's exciting about these varieties is they all three feature Phytogen breeding traits for bacterial blight resistance, and they also have our industry-leading two-gene root-knot nematode resistance. 
So not only are they high yielding, but they can go on quite a few acres and, and protect against those two pests without any worry from the grower. So Russell, how did those three new varieties perform this year? Robin, we found that Phytogen 350 fits best because it acts more like a mid-maturing variety for us in the lower southeast. If you want to plant early and try and get something out a little earlier, start harvest earlier, Phytogen 350 is a good choice, or it can be used at the later planting dates. We found that Phytogen 480 really excelled on the tough acres, your dry land or, or acres that saw significant stress, 480 seemed to hold on and do a great job there. And Phytogen 580 is a true full season variety that we saw did well planted early, allowed to go the full season, had high yield potential, and we're excited to have those results. Well, that's great to hear they've been performing so well. Where is Phytogen focusing its breeding efforts going into the future in the next few years? Robin, we've already talked about bacterial blight resistance, root knot nematode resistance. The next thing the Phytogen breeding traits is bringing online will be resistance to reniform nematodes. And that will be in addition to the traits I've already mentioned. In 2019, we tested our new reniform resistant lines very broadly across the U.S. to see how they fit and how good the technology was. And I'm happy to report that it's extremely good. When you look at these varieties in a field with reniform nematodes, it's striking how big a difference you see in plant growth, in vigor, etc. And all that has translated very well as we got through plot harvest into a couple of hundred pounds of yield potential better than standard varieties, which are current industry-leading varieties. I'd like to conclude and and thank you for being on the program again. I really appreciate your time. And uh, growers can go to phytogen.com for more information as always. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. Okay, a big thank you to Robin and to uh, Dr. Russell there. Um, And with that, we're gonna get things rolling on this, the 62nd episode of the Cotton Companion. And as we mentioned earlier, it's a good one. It's a, it's pack uh, full of good stuff. We're going to, um, as always, have Jim lead us in our news segment. He's going to be talking about, uh, we got a lot of variety announcements to get to. Mm-hmm. I have a tech announcement for y'all uh, that's kind of exciting. And then uh, we're going to talk about that big, we do have one item at least on this big USMCA trade deal that has been in the news and is on the cusp of being passed, I believe, at this point. Jim, correct me if I'm wrong. Fingers crossed. Yeah. um, They're up there in Washington, D.C. No doubt y'all have heard about this uh, on the national news. So uh, we want to bring you a little update on that. After that, we're going to go deeper into that topic uh, because Jim recently sat down and had a very good, timely interview with uh, our friend Mr. Reese Langley, who is the VP of Washington Operations for the National Cotton Council. As you might expect, uh, Reese has uh, an up-close view of of the goings-on up there on this trade deal up on Capitol Hill. And uh, he, I believe, uh, weighs in on a variety of things, but most especially on this USMCA Absolutely. deal. We'll, and, and we'll talk about that, obviously, as we get closer to that segment. But. Yeah, so um, we were excited to hear from Reese, and, and good job on Jim on mm-hmm. bringing us that timely interview. So don't want to put the cart before the horse. We are going to have Jim mm-hmm. take it away with the news mm-hmm. items of the day right now. All right. Thank you, Beck. And as uh, as Beck mentioned, we sort of feel like we've cleaning out the closets here pre-holiday. 
yeah. with uh, with a lot of information. Uh, that we'll, time of year. Oh, it is that time it's, of year. Absolutely. Yeah, we're re-gifting some things yeah. here, obviously. Yeah. But uh, we're going to start out with uh, with the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol uh, has named their uh, their first board of directors. That's 15 delegates uh, from the U.S. Cotton industry been named to the board uh, for the protocol, which is aimed at helping the U.S. Cotton industry achieve some stated national sustainability goals by 2025. Now, these appointees include delegates from all through throughout from throughout, excuse me, the entire supply chain, uh, some leading industry scientific and academic experts, and representatives from some pretty world-renowned environmental organizations as well. Now, let me just uh, share these folks, the names of these folks with you who will be the, uh, the, on the board. Uh, you've got four producers, Matt Coley from Georgia, Ted Snyder from Louisiana, Sean Holliday from Texas, and Aaron Barcelos from California. David Blakemore from Missouri will be the Jennings representative. Hank Reichley from Mississippi will be the marketing co-op representative. Steve Dyer from Tennessee represents merchants. Fred Servin from Tennessee represents the cottonseed industry. Jim Martin from North Carolina is uh, representing manufacturers. We have two representatives for brands and retailers. That's Liza Shillow from Levi Strauss & Company and Joe Little from Tesco. And then finally, Susie Friedman from the Environmental Defense Fund, uh, Melissa Ho with the World Wildlife Fund, Marty Matlock with the University of Arkansas, and Gary Bell, who is formerly with Gildan. Uh, there are a couple of advisors attached uh, to the board. It'll be Dr. Jesse Daystar, excuse me, with Cotton Incorporated, Andy Jordan with Jordan Consulting, Mark Lukowitz with Supima, Mark Pryor with The Seam, and Mike Quinn with Frontier Spinning Mills. Uh, the protocol is sort of in a pilot program status right now uh, with full implementation for this program scheduled for 2020. I actually uh, heard from Jesse Daystar. He was at that event in New Orleans. I didn't, I didn't even tell you about this, but he was extolling the virtues of the U.S. Cotton <clears throat> Trust Protocol. And it's uh, it, cotton has such a strong story to tell. And here with this, uh, this program, U.S. Cotton Pr Trust Protocol, mm -hmm. You have another uh, industry, a group of industry stakeholders who are trying to organize to be able to tell that story in a cohesive, narrativized way. And so the, they, they've really got a good thing going there, and they made a compelling case for themselves at that event. So it's good, good, to, good it to hear is, from them. It is going to be a far-reaching uh, venture, and yeah. I certainly, you know, hope now that as they work the sort of work the bugs out initially in this pilot program, and get things squared away, and we move into full implementation. That uh, that growers will will jump on the bandwagon and, and participate in this because without a lot of participation, we're not going to have the depth of information that the uh, that the industry is looking for. And I say industry get to the end use industry in section of the industry with merchants, yeah, customers, manufacturers, Those retailers. Uh, retailers yeah. Yes, so. Uh, it's, uh, it's going to be an important venture sure. for, for the industry this coming year. Um, National Cotton Council, next segment, or next item, is urging, obviously, swift congressional approval of the recent U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement deal that was reached on December 10th. Uh, in a statement, NCC Chairman Mike Tate said the, the trade agreement is going to provide an additional $2.2 billion in U.S. economic activity, some freer markets and fairer trade, it's going to restore trade certainty in the North American market, which is a significant export market for both U.S. cotton and cotton textile products, 
and the, the agreement also includes a textile chapter that offers significant improvements for domestic textile manufacturers and workers. Now, as Beck mentioned, as we are recording today, uh, the House of Representatives is, is expected to approve this agreement prior to their Christmas break, with the Senate likely to approve after the first of the year. Uh, and obviously, when we get to our segment with, uh, with Reese Langley, he will have a lot more detail to explain on this, uh, and, and not only on the USMCA, but also on the newly announced, long-awaited, and fingers-crossed Phase One agreement between the U.S. and China uh, that uh, still seems to be the ink. The ink's not completely dry on it at this point, but it seems we seem to be getting close to yeah. something. So. Yeah, and it, we are setting ourselves up for the patented Cotton Companion Curse. Kiss of death, right. Where <laughs> you know We're recording on the 16th. This will be uh, available to you guys here in a day or two, probably by the, <coughs> no doubt no later than the 18th. And for our sakes, for good and selfish reasons, we hope what we're bringing you is not outdated by that point. But on the other hand, if it is outdated by then, that means something's moved. So uh, that's good for y'all. But anyhow. It's uh, politics, one way or the other. Anything's exactly. possible. Exactly. All right. Next item. Um, a number of you grow, of, of, of growers and uh, you folks listening to us have been members over the years of the uh, FiberMax One Ton Club, the FiberMax Maximizer Club, and the Stoneville Legacy Club. Uh, all of these uh, organizations allow you, obviously, to be recognized for your high-yielding achievements. And BASF is now accepting grower signups for those uh, for those clubs this year. Now, again, in, to recap, to qualify for the FiberMax One Ton Club, growers must produce a minimum of 2,000 pounds of gin cotton per acre on a minimum of 20 acres, and that's either irrigated or dry land uh, that was planted with FiberMax cotton seed during the calendar year 2019. Qualified growers who attend the annual banquet in Lubbock, and that's coming up on April 2nd next year, can also enter a sweepstakes for a chance to win a two-year lease on a Ford F-350 Super Duty King Ranch truck, and it's always an impressive, uh, impressive vehicle. And uh, it's always fun to watch the reaction in the room when they get around to that as yeah. well. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like, let's make a deal. Yeah. You know, the price is right. Something like, it, you know, folks get real excited about it. Uh, to qualify for the FiberMax Maximizer Club, growers have to produce a minimum of 1,000 pounds of gin cotton per acre on a minimum of 20 dry land acres planted with FiberMax varieties in the calendar year 2019 in any of the 17 cotton producing states. And for those folks primarily on the east, east, east Coast to apply to the Stoneville Legacy Club, you must plant Stoneville cotton seed on a minimum of, minimum of 20 acres in, this calendar, in calendar year 2019 in the states of Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Missouri, Mississippi, North Carolina, New Mexico, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, or Virginia and applicants who rank in the top 10% of yields submitted for their state qualify to receive an all-expenses-paid trip for two to the annual Stoneville Legacy Club celebration in Destin, Florida. Now, applications and details for all of these programs are available on the FiberMax and Stoneville websites. Application deadlines, January 15th for the Stoneville Legacy Club, February 28th for the FiberMax Maximizer Club, and March 15th for the FiberMax One Ton Club. So if you're interested, go online, get that application filled out, and uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you. Yeah, ho hopefully you get that truck. Yeah, somebody's going to get that truck yeah. for two years. Uh, and in the spirit of giving, as we move into the holiday season, 
Uh, as Beck mentioned, we're starting to get information from some of our cottonseed companies about new varieties and technologies that you can expect to see in 2020. Now, Phytogen announced two new W3FE varieties for 2020 within the past week. And as Beck mentioned, Delta Pine rolled out its class of 20 variety lineup this past weekend during the NPE Summit in New Orleans. So Beck, you were at the Delta Pine meeting. Uh, what were the big announcements they yeah, shared? Yeah, so again, I was, down, I was happy to be down there in New Orleans. I ate too much. Um, uh, hurt myself. I ate too much, too much good, rich uh, New Orleans food. But but I digress. It uh, is the season. It, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I hadn't got January first. I'll start start that diet. Right. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, but anyhow, yeah, they they uh, unveiled a very big variety class, as you guys know, with Delta Pine each each year's introductions. That's the they call it the class of whatever year it is. So this would obviously be the class of 2020. The class of 20. Uh, varieties that they are introducing down there and it's a big class there's six new varieties they are debuting next year and uh, boy they are very excited about them this is you know the fact that there's six of them it's pretty good indication that they got to looking at these numbers and deciding which ones they were going to advance to be commercialized and they just could not say no Uh, you know they had so many that were uh, grading and, and yielding so well at the end of last season they decided to bring them all forward I was told that they uh, used DP 1646, as you guys know, the number one uh, variety planted in the U.S. for the past three years is a very popular variety. It was used as a benchmark in terms of uh, yield and quality when they were bringing these six new debutantes along. They were they were uh, comparing them to uh, the reigning uh, number one and DP 1646, and so each of these six new ones had to grade out in the various ways uh, favorably compared to that. DP 1646, and so again, you, you have an idea of why Delta Pine is so, so excited about these. So uh, there are four varieties that they are calling broadly adapted, meaning they have fits on a wide range of geographies uh, throughout the cotton belt, and I'll go through those briefly. Uh, those are DP 2012 B3XF, that is an early maturing variety with bacterial blight resistance. There's DP 2020 B3XF, an early maturing, an early to mid-maturing variety with bacterial blight resistance plus moderate tolerance to vert wilt. You have DP 2038 B3XF. That is a mid-maturing variety with excellent yield potential and bacterial blight resistance. I talked to my guy, Delta Pine, uh, Delta Pine rep Keelan Golston about this variety, specifically DP 2038, and he is raving about the yield potential on it. It outpaced DP 1646 uh, by a wide margin in some trials uh, in terms of yield. And I mean, he is uh, mm. very excited about it, to put it mildly. So that's one to, to be uh, looking out, uh, watching for next year, DP 2038. Uh, and then the fourth one on this wide range, or rather uh, wide, broadly adapted varieties, is DP 2055 B3XF. It is a full maturity variety with excellent fiber quality potential. Then there are two, uh, you just heard about four, there are two for that they're calling Texas only. They have been developed for the tough growing areas of Texas for both dryland and irrigated ground. Those are DP 2044, or rather, yes, DP 2044B3XF, a mid-maturing variety with excellent seedling vigor and bacterial blight resistance, and it joins the dry tough program lineup for West Texas. Uh, again, Golston compared this one to DP 1044. It's similarly named. It's DP 2044. It is like that 1044 in a multitude of ways. 
Uh, and, you know, 10, 1044 was such a staple in Texas for many years, you could see why that would be a favorable thing for it. And then the last one, DP 2022 B3XF, that is an early to mid-maturing variety with vert wilt tolerance and bacterial blight resistance. So those are the six that they're unveiling. I uh, try to get those as quickly as I can, but it's a mouthful when you're talking about six of them. Um, do we, I can go ahead and talk about their other big introduction if you'd like, or would, do we want to do all the varieties I think while we're, while we're talking about the Delta Pine and, sure. and, and Bayer stuff, go ahead. Yeah. And I think because I think, it, all, it all fits together. It does, yeah. So the, the other really newsy item to come out of this weekend in New Orleans um, mm. is Bayer unveiled uh, and named um, this excuse me, and I hope I don't stumble over it, this Thrive On Technology Trait Package. That's T-H-R-Y-V, capital O-N, technology, Thrive On Technology. And it's going to be a feature, it's, it features increased protection against tarnished plant bugs and thrips. I know there are some Mid-South guys who are would be doing backflips uh, about that technology, in particular with respect to tarnished plant bug protection. Um, I spoke with John Riley. He is the North American cotton launch lead for Bayer, and he stressed the yield-saving potential of this technology, and he's excited about the flexibility that it gives to producers. Uh, it, it will eventually be packaged with B3XF technology once it's introduced commercially. That will not be this upcoming year. In 2020, it will be showcased in field day trials. Uh, it has been in extension trials kind of under the radar for the past four or five years uh, they actually, Bayer brought up several university extension researchers who were extolling the efficacy of this trait package. And um, so that's going to be on display in 2020 in field days, although it will not be commercially available just yet. As you guys might imagine, there are regulatory hurdles to clear, and Bayer reps say that they expect uh, to get that regulatory approval uh, and commercial release sometime, and I'm quoting them here, in the early 2020s. So I took that to mean sometime over the next two to three pr uh, production seasons. That was the impression I got. So, again, I know there are a lot of uh, growers across the belt who suffer from plant bug and thrips damage, especially in the Mid-South when we're talking about plant bugs. So uh, you guys will need to be watching that. That's the Thrive On technology, trait technology package. That's, and and that's, that's interesting because I know a lot of the researchers and extension, uh, extension specialists have had that sort of on the back 40 of the experiment stations for, you know, as, as you mentioned, for several years. Yeah. And it's only within the last, uh, this, this past year is the first time they were, felt like they could freely talk about it at some of their own field days. Uh, and I look forward, I'm sure there's going to be some discussion about it at the Beltwide conferences that come up here in about three weeks, three, yeah. four weeks. Yeah, so. we, like, I'm going to let you travel to that one. Yeah, I'm, thank you. I've thank done you. my uh, travel calorie intake for allotment for 2019. That's all right. So. Well, jumping back into this, uh, as we said, Phytogen is also adding some new varieties. They've got two new cottonseed varieties, uh, all both with the W3FE, the Wide Strike 3, and uh, Extend uh, Traits. Uh, Phytogen 400 W3FE. Wide Strike 3 and List. Wide Strike 3 and List. There we go. Excuse me. It's a mid-maturing, medium-height, semi-smooth leaf variety that fits and performs well on irrigated and non-irrigated land. Uh, very, very manageable responds well to higher inputs and productive soils, and includes the phytogen breeding traits for bacterial blight and for root knot nematode resistance. And the second variety, new variety for next year's phytogen 500 W3FE. It's a mid to full season variety, 
good consistency, broad adaptation from the mid south, or excuse me, from the mid Atlantic to the southeast and over across into West Texas. It's uh, has shown to be a high yielding, smooth leaf variety with excellent fiber characteristics. And uh, obviously, as we hit January and get to belt wide and, and a few other a few other meetings, we expect to get uh, see some more announcements about new varieties coming in 2020 from some of the other companies. Yeah. And so we should have some updates for you. Uh, obviously, as we go through our next few episodes of uh, of the Cotton Companion uh, after the first of the year. Yeah, from a purely ag editor standpoint, I want to give a shout out and a big thank you to Hank King or whoever the powers that be that named these two new ones 400 and 500. Boy, that's easy to easy to remember. Those will be uh, easy to write about, which I'm sure we will be doing right about those new five. <laughs> we will definitely be writing about those new uh, coming into the new year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, and one more news item. That's right. It's a mystery to me. Well, it's, it's a mystery to Beck because as, 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 as you realize from past episodes, I, I spend a lot of, spend some time just sort of looking for things that are cotton related that might be just a little offbeat, but also of interest to, uh, to those of us in, in the market. So uh, this, not, this news item, uh, we're all familiar with diesel as an on-farm necessity. But for those of you that don't know, there's also a giant Italian clothing company called Diesel, that's with a capital D, that, uh, that you may or may not heard of. And if you don't, if you haven't, don't worry, because those of us in production ag generally are not part of their target audience. But according to the Miami Herald, Diesel, the company, is expanding from its high-end clothing lines into the South Florida real estate market. And if you still have some last-minute holiday shopping to do for that special someone, they've got a deal for you. So the company is offering 143, only 143 t-shirts. And these t-shirts are priced anywhere from $370,000 to $5.5 million. These 100% high, high-quality cotton t-shirts don't come with any kind of sequins or jewels or you know fancy adornments on them. Instead, each t-shirt bears the floor plan of a unit at the Diesel Windwood Condominium. So you guessed it. If you buy the t-shirt, you get the corresponding condo. Okay. For example, you can plunk down $1,049,000 for a shirt. You'll get a corresponding 1,900 square foot, one bedroom, two and a half bath unit with a den. But if you really want to live large and impress your friends, you can throw down that five and a half million and get a 2,376 square foot, one bedroom, one and a half bath penthouse with your shirt purchase. Now we've always talked about value added end use for cotton. And I think this probably, you know, has to move to the top of the list it's on a, this. It, it sets the record. It is sure. absolutely unique and, and good luck to them on this. And I certainly hope the folks who buy those t-shirts wear them with pride. Yeah, if there were ever um, a example of when traceability would be uh, <laughs> very key, wouldn't you be able to trace, wouldn't you love to be able to trace that uh, two point whatever million dollar t-shirts, cotton back to your farm, maybe get a little kickback on your production. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that would be great. That would be the way to go. Um, okay. I that, have nothing else because okay. because I don't, I don't think you could Look, based on the expression on your face when I started this, I'm not, I'm not sure you could handle another. another well, I, I mean, I was good with it. I was, I was trying to figure out how you're going to reel this back into uh, cotton, but I got it. You came around. You came around with it. I, I, I liked that one. 
So uh, I do want to br- hold you up there because now we want to bring our listeners that interview that you conducted with Mr. Reese Langley. Uh, again, you two discussed this trade deal. You discussed a potential other, maybe more Far Eastern trade deal that we uh, are, are sniffing around. And so um, I assume you guys talked about how that will be affecting our listeners, yes? Absolutely. Okay, very good. So now we'll hold things up and we want to bring... This interview with Mr. Reese Langley, who is the VP of Washington Affairs for the National Cotton Council. We'll bring that to you right now. Welcome to this episode's market segment. After a long period of not much movement on the trade front, we're suddenly seeing some promise and some progress on several fronts. Uh, So to provide some updates, we're joined today by Reese Langley. He's Vice President of Washington Operations for the National Cotton Council. Reese, it's been a while since we've had a chance to visit. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me today. Uh, Reese, in in the past week, we've seen some very positive movement, finally, on the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Trade Agreement, or the USMCA, for those who like acronyms. Uh, That movement between the House and the administration, and it looks like things are, are, are moving in a very positive direction. Can you share a little background on that agreement and what it will potentially mean for U.S. ag products? So the USMCA is going to update the existing North American Free Trade Agreement, or NAFTA, which has been in place for a number of years. And following the passage of NAFTA, that really led to the development of a very integrated supply chain for the cotton and textile industry throughout the Western Hemisphere. And so USMCA is important for the cotton industry and the U.S. textile industry, first and foremost, to do no harm and to maintain the market access and certainty that we already had under NAFTA. And so USMCA will do that. But then in addition, the agreement also includes, for the first time, a specific chapter on textile provisions. And that's important because that is going to hopefully allow for some improvement in how textiles and textile products move between the three countries. Mm-hmm. And specifically, it should help eliminate or reduce the amount of products that are transshipped through Mexico, for example, to try to get duty-free access to the U.S. market, even though those products may not be made with U.S. cotton and U.S. cotton yarn, which are the requirements under the NAFTA and also under USMCA. So we see that as an important improvement that should help benefit the U.S. textile industry. How many? How much cotton goes into Mexico right now for the, for the, the mills there? So uh, on average, we're exporting about a million bales, give or take, most years to Mexico. So it's still a very important market for U.S. raw cotton, uh, top 10 market, and then Mexico is the top market for U.S. cotton textile exports, mm-hmm. and Canada is also uh, a top mar- a top export destination for U.S. textile products as well. That's great. Now, obviously, there's some ne- next steps involved in getting this, this finalized. This still has to go to the Senate for approval, correct? That's correct. So as you noted, there have been months of negotiations between the administration and primarily Democrats in the House to reach a final agreement, which was done this week and has been signed by all three countries. 
and now we expect the House will take up USMCA next week and vote on it, mm-hmm. and then what we're hearing from the Senate leadership, from Leader McConnell, is that the Senate hopes to take up or plans to take up USMCA sometime early in 2020 once they finish the impeachment proceedings, which they will likely start on early in January. Right. Okay. Well, that's obviously that's good news, you know, on on the trade front, and I'm sure, you know, from a lot of our our listeners' perspectives and, and folks in the cotton industry, that's a very very positive movement. Uh, now, within the last 24 hours, we've also gotten word that uh, that the U.S. and Chinese negotiators have settled on terms of this long rumored phase one agreement uh, that would uh, help avoid some scheduled U.S. tariffs, reduce rates of, uh, of existing duties uh, and things, and, and basically uh, get a promise from the Chinese to buy more U.S. farm goods. Um, does this one feel real at this point? Does it feel like we're really getting close? It, it does seem to feel different than some of the previous announcements that we have seen come and go. And as you said, this has all been happening in the last 24 hours, so there's still a lot of details that are not known at this point, but we expect a lot more information to start coming out, possibly later today or in the coming days. But certainly everything that we're seeing and hearing is very positive, and the fact that uh, at this time the U.S. is not going to move forward with any additional tariffs on mm-hmm. Chinese imports, right. and they're, go- they're agreeing to cut the tariff rate on a lot of the existing uh, tariffs that are in place. In exchange for that, the Chinese have indicated that they would purchase $200 billion in goods and services over the next two years. And within that amount, it looks like the agricultural piece should be between 40 and $50 billion per year in exports to China. And so our expectation is with a number that large and knowing the market dynamics and the past experience of export U.S. cotton exports to China, we would anticipate cotton being a very significant part of those Chinese purchases moving forward. That would that would be great. That also would make a lot of people very happy, and and hopefully uh, you know hopefully make the market a little bit happier too as well. Um, Reese. Thank you. This is uh, uh, it's it's been a short visit, but it's been it's been a good visit, and I, I appreciate you taking time to join us today. With uh, certainly with all of this pending trade legislation and uh, and a few other distractions moving through D.C. at this point, it certainly doesn't seem like there are very many dull moments up there uh, for you and your and your staff in in Washington. Well, thank you for this opportunity. It's always my pleasure. I appreciate it. We'll be right back with the rest of this episode. Okay, well, we want to give a big thank you to Reese of the National Cotton Council. Uh, We appreciate him making time for us. We know that he does a lot of important work up there on Capitol Hill representing our industry, representing our farmers, and so we appreciate all that he does. Uh, So, so, all right, that's going to just about do it for this installment of the Cotton Companion podcast. We want to thank Phytogen, uh, the great folks at Phytogen, for sponsoring us. And we want to thank you, dear listeners, sincerely for joining us. If you like what you're hearing, please tell your farmer friends about this podcast. They can get to it in three easy ways. Go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion. There you will find all of our archive, now 62 archived episodes. 
The second way, you can subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever it is that you find your podcast these days. Simply search for The Cotton Companion. The third way and best way to sign up for is to is for you to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, The Cotton Grower e-newsletter. You can do that by going to the www.cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. And uh, it's very intuitive from there. Sign up for our e-newsletter. That thing will hit your mailbox like clockwork every Tuesday morning. Also, please be sure to follow us on social media. If you're listening to a podcast, I suspect you are at least active somewhere on social media. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Cotton Grower Mag. And then on Facebook, it's very easy to find us simply by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine in that search bar. We hope that you're enjoying our latest issue, the December one, which should be in your mailboxes by now. And uh, we wish you and your family a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. We hope it's a white Christmas, uh, not only from some snow, but maybe uh, from those big uh, bales, those big yields that you hauled in this year. This podcast is produced by Tyler Hatch. He works at the Mothership Meister Media Worldwide in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio. Where there is snow. There is snow. It will be a white Christmas. Where there will be snow. Yes. My name is Beck Barnes, and I will be back with you in two weeks on the next episode. Actually, it will not be two weeks. It'll be... Mid-January. Mid-January before we'll be back. Right. Following the Beltwide Cotton Conference. Yes. After Beltwide, after the holidays, uh, we will be back with the next episode of the Cotton Companion. For now, on behalf of my own Cotton Companion, Jim Stebman... We wish you and your farm and your family a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And he works and he works all day. God made a farm. Phytogen thanks you for listening to this edition of The Cotton Companion. To learn how you can thrive with Phytogen, go to phytogen.com.